Hello, Westover. Y'all look really, really good this morning. You look really, why don't you tell someone next to you, you look good. You look sharp. I don't know, did you do something to your hair? You smell great. Hey, I'm Pastor Tito, the high school and young adults pastor here at Westover. And I want to tell you a story. I knew this teenager once several years ago. He began attending the church I went to when he was in the sixth grade, him and his older brother. He got involved in our youth group pretty quickly. And he began serving on our drama team. He'd be in skits and he would act out and plays and things like that. He'd go to summer camps each year and God would just show up faithfully in the way that God always does. And this student would spend just this time really worshiping and going after God in the altars and, you know, tears and snot bubbles and everything that you would imagine a camp experience would be. And he would just have these incredible encounters with God. And there was this one summer where he came home, and I remember overhearing him talking to his parents, and with tears in his eyes, he said, Mom and Dad, we really need to get serious about living for Jesus. And it was just this big moment. And in high school, he continued serving in the church. He joined our leadership team. He continued to go to camps and seek after God in services. But there was something happening behind the scenes that none of us had any clue about. His friends at school were completely different than his friends at church. His friends at school didn't believe in Jesus. In fact, they didn't even think that God was real. And many of them had begun experimenting with drugs. They didn't think that was a big deal. He, his relationships began to change. He was dating this girl that he just really, really cared about. But they began to go too far physically too quickly and made some decisions they really regretted but couldn't take back. And then he got really, really busy. His senior year, he was taking honors courses. He was working part-time at a restaurant, and they would schedule him to work on Wednesday nights. So he'd miss youth group. They'd schedule him to work on weekends. So he'd miss church services. And fast forward just a couple years later, I remember having a conversation with him, and with tears in his eyes, he looked at me and he said, if God is real, he hates me. He hates me. And friends, that broke my heart. Because here's someone that I had known that had grown up all of his teenage years in the church going to conferences, going to youth group, reading his Bible faithfully, and yet he still walked away from God after his high school graduation, and it was absolutely heartbreaking. And I imagine I am not the only one who has a similar story. That if I were to walk around this morning with a microphone and, and invite you to have a conversation, that chances are you know young people who were once hungry for God and who loved God, but today have wondered so far that they feel like they're a different person. For some of you, it was a friend that you grew up with. For others, it was a brother or a sister. For some, a son or a daughter. And for some of you, maybe... Just maybe it was you. Statistically, studies show that between 40 to 50% of all teenagers who attend church regularly throughout middle school and high school, once they finally walk the stage on graduation day, will continue into their adult lives and only half of them will ever walk back into the church ever again. 
Friends, that means if statistics are right, half of our students right now watching online in the room, half of them right now will make the majority of their most important life-altering fork-in-the-road decisions. Things like, who will I date? Will we move in together or no? Will we get married or no? Will I drink socially? Where will I work? What city do I want to live in? And they'll make all those decisions apart from Jesus, apart from godly wisdom, and apart from the church. And friends, we've got to do something about this. If we want to see our kids keep their faith as they enter into middle school, we've got to update our approach. We've got to shift our mentality from equipping kids being just what happens in kids' ministry by the kids' ministry team to it becoming everybody's job and everybody's mission. If we want to see our middle schoolers learn what role that faith has in light of their real-world issues— then we've got to be uncompromisingly intentional about creating a safe space where they can process their doubts and they can rediscover their identity. Because the truth is that move from middle school, from elementary school into middle school, students are leaving their parents' faith behind and having to rediscover and and decide whether that's going to be their faith. It's such a pivotal moment. And if we want to see our high schoolers realize their God-given potential and grasp a hold of the vision that God has for their life, then we've got to mobilize teenagers and activate their faith in real, hands-on ways. Because if we just keep doing what we're doing the way we've been doing it, then we're going to lose. And there won't be much of a church left in the next 50 years. Person after person, student after student, if you talk to those who've walked away, here's what many of them will say. They'll say, it just became too hard to trust the church. Many of them, they worked up the courage to share a sensitive issue with someone, maybe in the area of mental health, dealing with anxiety or depression or self-harm or having to do with feelings of same-sex attraction. Others were being bullied, and they felt like that everybody that they talked to about it would just downplay it and make light of it. And for some, it was a crisis of faith issue. They were wrestling and wondering, how do I reconcile science, and how do I reconcile the Bible? And how can I know and trust that God is really good when everything in my life seems to say otherwise? And many of these were written off with what felt like an insincere and a trite answer. Go pray more. Go read your Bible more. And as a result, they immediately felt like outsiders instead of having someone who they believed truly cared for them walk with them. They were handed a cliche. And as a result, many of our adults now, many of the millennial generation felt like they could get better advice, like they could get better help elsewhere. But friends, here's what I know about you. Here's what I know about us here at Westover. Every single one of us, we want to do better. 
And every single one of us, if we could really see how we could make a difference, I mean, if someone could just show us what we could really tangibly do with our hands, then we would do more. Because if it means that as a result, our grandkids become men and women of God, if it means for the teenagers in the room that your little brothers and sisters would continue living for Jesus throughout their lives, if it means that our best friends would not walk away from the faith even when things get hard, then I'm in. So if you're here today, let me encourage you, because this message is for you. Regardless of what age you are, regardless of what stage of life you're in, this message is for you. Because if you're a student, you're on the front lines. This is your fight, and you're living it. And I don't have to tell you how hard it is to be a middle schooler or a high schooler and be a Christian in your world. And if you're a tia or a grandparent or a parent, this is your family. You can put a face and a heartbeat to every story and every stat. And here's my hope for you. No one has the potential to be a champion for a kid's faith like the parent who cares about that child's future. And if you're a young adult, you've been strategically positioned by God to have unique influence And you've been gifted with more resources than you may even realize to help you forever shape and alter the destinies and futures of younger kids around you for Jesus. And here's how. I believe the key to reaching the next generation, it starts with the concept of living generously. As a teenager, for all of those students in the room, you've got to know that you matter to God and you matter to us. Amen, church? Amen. You have to know that you were fearfully and wonderfully made on purpose, that you are not an accident. Psalm 139, 14. You were uniquely designed, even your quirks, even your personality, everything. Psalm 139, 15. And you are fully known by God. Every thought, Every action, every decision, every question, every doubt, every mistake. And still, you are so, so, so precious to him. Luke 12, 7. And the things that break your heart, they break God's heart also. Psalm 56, 8. And he doesn't just notice when you're hurting, he hurts too. Isaiah 53, 5, and he wants to be your everything. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. And if you're a teenager, hear me when I say this. You're not just the future of the church. You're not just future members and future leaders. You are the present of the church. You are leaders now. You are current members. Your value and impact isn't then and later. It's right here and it's right now. And as part of the church, you have to know that you are part of this massive worldwide mission to change the world for the better. I love this quote from Christopher Wright. He says, God does not so much have a mission for his church as he has a church for his mission. In other words, we are here as a church to serve the mission. And this was God's plan all along. 
Humanity was hurt and broken and incomplete. Humanity had traded real love for cheap substitutes and pain was the currency. So God sent his own son, Jesus, to be the solution to all of life's biggest issues, injustice, inequality, sexism, greed, war, racism, all of it. And when Jesus died on the cross, when he died in our place, he took the weight of all of these things on himself. But when he came back to life, he proved that he was not only the means of redemption and forgiveness, but he was and he will always be the power that we require to overcome these things. So here's what happened. Jesus did all the heavy lifting for us. And then he sent his Holy Spirit to live and empower us so that he could leave us in charge of the biggest most daunting mission of all to go out into all the world and preach the gospel to everything that breathes. If you're wondering how big, how massive, how daunting is this mission? Well, the earth is 24,901 miles across. I Googled it, it's humongous. And the mission is to go to every people group. Research says that could be anywhere between 11,000 and 24,000 people groups. To every country, all 195 of them. To every language, roughly 6,500 to 7,111 languages. And it's with this job that we get to give them the best news of all. The message of hope truth, and life, to meet the deepest of all human needs, to feed, to clothe, to care for, but also to bring the lost home, to bring those far from God back to God, amen, to bring those who were dead in their sins to life for the first time. Friends, this is the good news because you don't have to earn it. You don't have to pay for it. Rich and poor alike can receive it. Democrat and Republican, black and white, short and tall. Those who love Mexican food, those who've never tasted the glory yet. Listen, it's for everybody. Some of you are like, hallelujah. Oh, I receive it right now. Under your chair is a burrito. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. And friends, it's our mission. It's our mission. It's our job. To go out into the world and find hurting people, sick people, broken people, dead people, Matthew 9, 12, and rescue them. And it's a huge mission. It's bigger than our student ministry. It's bigger than your high school or your middle school. It's bigger than San Antonio, than the country. It's worldwide. And if you're a teenager, this is the cause we're asking you to sign up for. It's no small thing. And if you're a teenager, listen, living generously for you as a student means investing your influence for God by being intentional with your time and your talent and your resources and your relationships everywhere you go and everywhere you are. Family, you should know this. In our world, students are doing incredible things. Teenagers are creating apps, they're starting nonprofits, influencing and impacting the world in jaw dropping ways. Kylie Jenner, love her or not, but she launched her cosmetics line when she was 18 years old. By the age of 20, she became the world's youngest billionaire. How? 
It was her following that made her. You see, since she was 14 years old, Kylie had been gaining followers on Instagram and Twitter and on Snapchat, and she believed in them and they believed in her. And she was able to use that influence to make history. And students like this, they're not the exception, they're the norm. This is one of the distinctions about Generation Z that is unlike their millennial parents and their big brothers. They're 7 to 24-year-olds born between 95 and 2012. Where are you at in the house? There you are. And they're living in a multitasking world, and they're crushing it. And some of you are like, I'm praising the Lord right now, and I'm updating my Instagram. Some of you got those skills. They're more independent. They prefer working solo and doing it right than just slapping something together in a group because they are the brand and the quality assigned to their work is a big deal. They prefer face-to-face conversation and living in the moment. Their outlook tends to be more optimistic and less jaded than the millennials around them. Social media influencers are the new celebrities to them. And this group of people, Generation Z, they're amazing. They're amazing. And you have to know that right now, we have a middle schooler in our church who organized and led a book drive to collect hundreds of books for needy kids in San Antonio. We have a young man in our church. He's a freshman in high school, and he has over 227,000 followers on Instagram. That's influence. We have a teenager who battled cancer as a child, and as the Lord delivered her, he laid on her heart that she would start collecting teddy bears and stuffed animals and collect them from all over and give them to cancer patients in hospitals all over San Antonio. And if you're a student, listen, you have influence and it's time to use it. You don't get to control your influence, but you can control your leadership. And many of you, you have a crowd and you didn't ask for it. You have friends that follow you around and they're asking you for advice. So why not use your words to point them to Jesus? Why not use your actions to prove that the God inside of you is real? Why not use your posts to point to something and someone bigger than yourself? See, God has given us all generously a host of time, talent, resources, relationships, But it's your choice how you're going to use those things. And here's one of the most practical ways that you as a middle or high schooler can live generously is you can leverage your relationships for God by mentoring the generation beneath you. You can get involved in our kids' ministry. You can serve as the life group leader. And can I tell you, when middle schoolers decide to serve as life group leaders to elementary age kids, they become like these rock stars in their eyes. But here's the cool thing. You, as a student, you get to live out what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Not that you're perfect, but that you're living for God in the middle of temptation. That you're living for God in the middle of every problem and issue coming your way and proving that he is real. Regardless of what your friends are or aren't doing, you're really making a difference. And at school, 
on the field, on the court, when you march in the locker room, at the lunch table, with your families, with your young, younger siblings who look up to you. And some of you even have unbelieving parents who don't know Jesus and they need you to be the spiritually mature person that they're looking up to in the home. But friends, it's going to take you being the same person everywhere. Not living this duplicitous lifestyle, but being the same person at school, the same person at church, and the same person at home. So that when people begin to peel back the curtain, they see that you really are who you say you are. That's what makes a difference. And if you're an adult, living generously for you, whether you're a parent or a grandparent or a young adult, it means investing your influence for God by being intentional with your time, talent, resources, and relationships everywhere you are and everywhere you go. We're talking about this idea of mentorship. And you may think you don't know enough. You may think you're not smart enough, I get it, but let me remind you, 2 Peter 1.3 says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. This means that God has given you his spirit and God has given you his power. This means that even the gifts you have, the time and the talent, this means you can use it for his kingdom and his mission and you can mentor a student. Listen, if you want to leave a legacy that doesn't just end with you, if you want to see the church continue to grow, grow and thrive for the next 50 to 100 years, if you're tired of 18-year-olds walking out of the church and never coming back, if you want to continue seeing Westover becoming a place for everyone, could it be that your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise? Friends, let me give you just a few practical ways that we can begin doing this. You can be a coach in one of our sports leagues, basketball or soccer. What a great way to be Jesus with skin on. But let me warn you now, you'll need way more hand-eye coordination than Pastor Tito. Way more. Way more. And here's another practical way you can do this. You can be a life group leader in one of our ministries. Kids, middle, or high school. Because here's what you should know. Kids today, they have tons of knowledge. They have tons of info at their fingertips. But they often lack the wisdom and the discernment to know how to apply it. And friends, that's where you come in. Every kid, every teenager needs somebody older than them who can see around the corner, who's been where they've been, that can help speak into their lives and be there when they fall down. And you may think you're not cool enough. But let me tell you this, regardless of your age, regardless of your hairstyle, whether your jeans are skinny or whether they're husky, some of you are like, water husky. Warm is the new cool. Warm is the new cool. Said another way, middle schoolers will always gravitate to the oldest person in the room who will take them seriously. In other words, if we can create an atmosphere of love and of respect 
And if we can give kids and students a family when they may not even feel like they're part of a family at home, it's a game changer. It's absolutely a game changer. And here's the thing. You don't have to be the coolest cat around. See, just by fact of me using the word coolest cat proves I'm not even the coolest person in this room. And all the high schoolers in them are like, dope, Pastor Tito, we told you not to say that kind of stuff from the stage. What's wrong with you? But it takes heart. It takes a willingness to look and feel silly sometimes. It takes counting the cost, like Jesus said in Luke 14, and investing the time that it takes to make a lasting impact in the life of a kid and a teenager. And that can be you. Listen, Linda. Listen. Let me be honest with you. If you're nervous, if you're apprehensive about how to lead a life group or how to coach a sports team, I've got great news. Pastor Jim hired us, me, Pastor Jonathan, Pastor Will, Pastor Chrysalin, Pastor James, Matt Hill, Albert, all of us, just so we could train you. Listen, you're not an inconvenience. You're the reason we have a job. So that we can work together, so that we can lock arms and we can reach the next generation together. Friends, and even if you don't have time to commit to a weekly ministry, you may be a mom with kids, but if you would just consider bringing a teenage girl around your home once a week, once every couple weeks, and just letting her see how you parent your home, how you discipline your kids, how you, and then just create space for deep conversations to happen naturally. That's huge. As a business person, imagine what it would be like if you would just schedule twice a month coffee meetings with a student where you just share with them business principles and insight and leadership and management that you've been learning. I get it, the need is huge, but if you could just do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Friends, it's your consistency that creates the space for real discipleship to occur. Friends, that's why parenting is such a big deal. Because your kids get to see your consistency, that you're always the same person in the good, in the bad, and in the ugly. Never underestimate the influence that you have with the next generation. Earlier, I told you a story about a young man I knew that served Jesus but fell away after graduation. And family, this story is so real to me because this story is about my younger brother. You see, we started going to church at the same time. We're only one year apart. The same camps I went to, he went to. The same conferences I went to, he went to. The whole thing. But what I had that he didn't have was I had an adult in my life who was willing to stop everything he had on his agenda and spend unfocused, sorry, focused time with me. He was willing to look eye to eye and be uninterrupted and calendar times over lunches in our church parking lot, in car rides, at the office. And listen, I love my baby brother and I pray for him all the time, but this idea of mentoring and coaching and leading life groups, it's not just a strategy for me, it's everything. 
And I get it. You can't do everything, but you can do something. Friends, it's why I'm a pastor today. It's why I'm standing on this stage because by God's grace, he sent someone to me, a man named Chris Carroll, who spent time investing and pouring into me. And I wish that for your student. I want that so bad for your kids and for your teenagers. My question is, will you partner with us? Will you pray about it? Will you you consider what kind of impact that you can have on the life of the next generation? And I know not everyone can. Not everyone has the luxury of that amount of time on their side. And I don't want to diminish that even for a moment. But if you think you might, if you feel God tugging on your heart right now, then this is your invitation. And here's one more way that you can invest into the next generation. Especially for those of you that your schedules are heavy and your time is exhausted and talents largely spent. It's by using your resources. Think about it. What kind of investment has the potential to yield more eternal dividends than being a kingdom builder? When you trust God with your giving and you invest your finances into changing lives, friends, that's a big deal. And coming up in just a couple months, July 31st through August 2nd is our student conference. And we'll have over 500 teenagers packed out in this room. Some of them experiencing God's presence and Holy Spirit for the first time. Others of them getting to experience the conviction and the illumination from his word getting to lift their hands in worship and cry real tears over the goodness of God, getting to swarm these altars and leave their past behind and move forward in their walk with God. And listen, you can be a part of that. You can send your student, you can volunteer, but if you can't, you can sponsor a student. You can't do everything, but you could do something. We had a teenager last year come up to us at student conference after being around students their age and being part of a life group. And here's what they said. They said, it felt like I had a family. Gosh. We want that for every student. We want that for your student, for your kids, for your neighbors, for your grandchildren and friends. There's some things that just wouldn't have happened in a routine that a moment like the student conference affords And you know this, sometimes it's in the more that you get your breakthrough. And you can give a student that opportunity to encounter the Holy Spirit and not be just another statistic. In closing, John chapter 6 tells a story of a crowd of people. Somewhere in the ballpark of 5,000 men plus women and children came to hear Jesus preach. And Jesus gives to his disciples this massive, daunting mission as is his way. And he tells them, okay, Philip, Andrew, Peter, all these guys, 5,000 more, feed them. Their eyes get big like saucers. 
They begin crunching the numbers, thinking through how much it's going to cost, how much food they're going to need to purchase. No doubt Judas is counting and recounting the money. And Peter's like, crunch the numbers again. And Judas is like, I'm crunching them. Crunch them again. And they're just going back and forth. And then Andrew, he notices this little boy nearby who has these five small barley loaves and these two small fish. And here's the crazy part. Where the disciples saw a problem, Jesus saw potential. Jesus knew that this little kid, this child, had influence beyond what even this little boy knew. This little cat, this little kid had with him all that was needed to meet the need of an entire group of people. And you know the story. Jesus does a miracle. He multiplies the food miraculously, and everybody has to go boxes to go home with. It's amazing. But it took some discerning adults who knew how to invest their influence into the next generation. It took a leader like Jesus seeing past the now into what could be, not giving up on them, not giving up on the situation, but choosing to move forward. And I love this. Pastor Jonathan Samuels, he's a genius. He said it like this. He says, who do you think packed that kid's food? Think about it. He shows up with barley and fish. No kid packs fish. No kid packs fish. Think about it. He had a mom at home. Maybe he had a dad, a big brother, a sister, a tia. And friends, right now, there's a single mom in this room who's having trouble seeing how valuable she is to her kid's future. It feels exhausting. She can't just be the fun parent. It's taxing and thankless, but don't give up. Keep packing that lunch. In this room, there's a grandparent that's been praying for years tirelessly, and you can name which grandkid gave which of your knees arthritis from all the praying and being down on your knees, but don't give up. You're packing a lunch. There's a middle schooler here who's been serving in kids' ministry, and they're wondering if they should just step back and just hang out with their friends and enjoy their time, and if it's worth the investment. Listen, it is. Keep packing that lunch. There's a young adult in the room who's been serving in high school ministry, and they're wondering if they should just do something that has more spotlight and more immediate return on their investment. But friends, let me encourage you, keep packing that lunch because your greatest contribution in the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. If you'll bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, we love you. We love you so, so much. And Father, we just pray that you would give us the wisdom to know what to do and the courage to do it. God, there's some in this room that you're speaking to, God, about getting involved in coaching. There are others that you're speaking to about leading a life group for kids or middle schoolers or high schoolers. There are others that you're tugging on their heart, God, to invest financially, to send a student to conference, God. And whatever you're doing, wherever you're doing it, God, I just pray that our hearts would be open and soft and moldable to be led by you. Because we can't do everything. But Father, with your help and with your strength, we can do something. We love you so much. And we're so grateful that we get to wear your name. The name of Jesus.
Friends, we love you. Have a fabulous rest of your Sunday.